And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name, of course, is Eddie Cohn, host, creator, producer of the Spiritual Spiral. Leo, my sidekick, is walking into the studio, wants to say hi. Hello, Leo. How you doing? Say hi. So yeah, if you dig the show, I'm sure you're not here to listen to my cat, (laughs) although he is very vocal today. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, give it a review, a five-star reach out on Instagram. I'm also going to start, I believe, not I believe, I'm going to start a newsletter very soon, probably in the next month, discussing the podcast a little bit further, some of the thoughts that I may have after guests come on the show. So head over to IamEddieCone.com if you want to get onto the newsletter list. I'm also going to be adding music, Spotify playlists. You know, my my yoga classes notoriously have some of the best music. Head over to IamEddieCone.com, sign up for the newsletter. I'm also going to be releasing some music over the next three to six months, so you'll hear it there first. So I want to start today's show by talking about Mark Marin and his partner girlfriend, Lynn Shelton, and just sort of how it connects to my podcast. If you don't know what the fuck, the podcast by Mark Marin, definitely go check it out. But check out today's episode or the, the, the podcast where he talks about Lynn Shelton. Whenever somebody passes away, and if he's spoken to them in the past on his podcast, he'll republish the episode. Well, his girlfriend is Lynn Shelton, and she just passed away a couple days ago from a blood disorder. He opens the podcast by bearing his soul and talking about how tragic and horrified the whole event was. And it's pretty freaking raw and it's real. I can't even imagine what he's going through. That moment where he's talking about his girlfriend, I think we're all trying to find some meaning here. And none of this makes sense. And I think that is sort of at the root of of my podcast, trying to make sense of my own life. And then I'm coupling it now with death when Kobe Bryant passed away and now COVID-19, which to me still doesn't make any sense. And I, I have been thinking about that a lot. You know, what is my legacy? You know, I, I'm, I'm writing a book or I finished a book and I'm sending it off to agents now and I'm adding a newsletter and I'm writing some new music and I've got the podcast and, and it, it is it ever enough, you know? Am, am I trying to build a legacy here? Am I trying to build some meaning here in my life? You know, I went for a bike ride this last weekend and part of it was beautiful and then part of it we're riding down, um, God, it's Penmar. I think it's Penmar. It's it's that street in Venice and, and the homeless people up and down the street is just horrific. Life doesn't make any sense. And maybe if I were religious, it would make more sense, but this none of this makes sense. And I'm telling you, I feel lucky as hell that I can record and I have my health right now and I'm able to write some new music. And I'm telling you, life doesn't make sense. This could all change tomorrow. I know my cat will be here tomorrow, thank God. He is the best. But I, I just feel like right now you got to fill up your life with as much good stuff as you can. And don't feel guilty if you have a good day. I know I felt, it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday, Jen, and I felt sort of guilty that I was having a couple productive good days. And she said, don't, don't feel guilty. If you can n- navigate or manage to eke out some good days here, great.
I wanted to play a clip from, I'm, I'm doing the David Sedaris masterclass. He's one of my favorite writers. And, you know, there is this strange, when you, when you work on something creative for a long time, and I've worked on some albums that took, you know, two years to complete in this book that I've completed, I was working on it for about two and a half years. And there is this strange feeling of loss or sorrow. And I do find myself a bit lost right now just creatively, because my focus was on a project for so long, and now that project is is kind of over. I mean, I know I may have to go back and do some edits in a couple weeks, but for now it's done. And I know I want to write another book. I know I have a few ideas, and I'm writing a lot of music right now, which has been fantastic. But I do feel a little bit like I'm at square one, sort of where do I start? And then to even begin another project again just feels so daunting and overwhelming to begin. So I'm I'm thinking about two things. I find myself thinking about why am I writing and, and why am I here and what value am I placing into the world? And something that I know sounds a little morose, but I wonder, do you ever think about, will people care when you're gone? You know, I, I send out emails and newsletters and I do these songs and I've been writing a book and I teach yoga and I sometimes I just wonder, will it even matter, you know, a month after I'm gone, will people even remember? And and I have been thinking about Kobe Bryant. He's been he passed away, I believe, in I think January or February. Do people even remember anymore? It's you know, obviously besides his wife and kids, is is it even a a part of people's frame of mind. It just it's just this strange feeling. We pass away, we live our life, we try to add some value, and then it's just it's over. And so this does connect to this this piece where David Sedaris is speaking about being awake, observing. I, I sort of live in this strange world where I love technology. I use technology to write and help me create, but I also love quiet time. And I do love to engage and have conversations with the barber or the landscaper or just people, restaurants that I go to regularly, they all know me. I like to engage in conversations with people in elevators, at the ball games. It's just, it's something that's sort of been a part of my DNA. So I, I think it's an important way to live your life. And I think it does bring meaning. So I wanted to play this clip where David Sedaris is sort of talking about observing the world. Your subject comes just right to you and sits in your lap. And if you're awake, you think, wow, there it is, right there, the thing to write about. And there's nothing better, nothing better than when it comes and sits in your lap like that. And you pretty much guarantee that if you're sitting at home and you're just online all day and then you leave your house and you're walking down the sidewalk and you're texting to your friends and then you go to the grocery store and you continue to text while you're in the grocery store, that nothing's going to come and sit in your lap. Um, you need to be in the world and you need to be engaged with the world. And every now and then it comes, it comes to you. I think that's really one of the big observations I make every single day or every time I come on the show. 
I, I see a world of people not engaged in their day-to-day lives. The distractions, the addictive qualities of technology and Instagram, and then the addictive nature surrounding dopamine and getting attention. You know, I, I go to the grocery store and I try not to ever have my phone with me because I do enjoy those face-to-face interactions with the clerk and speaking to the restaurant owner. I think those are important conversations They add value, and I think it's really important to remember those seemingly simple day-to-day conversations really do add a lot of value to our lives. I did want to talk about my friend Joey. I had him on the podcast I feel like a year ago, Joey Peters, and he's been very vocal on his Facebook about the virus and the coronavirus and sort of how it's become. If you look at the states that are open as opposed to the states that are closed, like California, most states that are closed, like at least 90% of them are all blue states or all liberal. The ones that are open are red. And it's sort of like, how did this all fucking become political? It's, it's so strange and so bizarre what's going on right now. I, I just want people to think for themselves. And, and if you just are taking what the media says and what Dr. Fauci is saying is, is fact, I can't help but think that you're a little naive. I, you know, I went to Trader Joe's today, and of course I wear a mask in there, but, but then I see people running and jogging and walking their dogs with masks. And I read this article the other day where... A physician was saying, look, if you're in a crowded space, if you're at a concert or at a basketball game, it certainly would probably make a little bit more sense to be wearing a mask there. But wearing one in your car or when you're out walking about, it, it makes no sense. There's, there's no reason to wear it. But, and even Dr. Fauci a couple days ago on 60 Minutes says, you know, the masks you really don't need to wear. But, but it became the media or the political narrative that you need to wear a mask. And if you don't, you're a selfish bastard, and you just don't care about humanity, which is crazy to me. And if you think about it, this, this all changed really fast. Like within six to eight weeks, we, we got here where people are wearing masks. You can't go outside, and there's all these rules of the grocery store, and it's nuts. I mean, I was at the grocery store today at Trader Joe's, and I'm in line, And you have to stay in this one part of the line until he's done ringing you up. And then you could go to the other space where you actually swipe your credit card. And I went there before he was done swiping my items. And he said, no, you have to go back. And then I said, well, what's the difference if I stand there now or stand there in 20 seconds from now? Because I'm going to have to stand there eventually. And, And he didn't say anything. And then... We have these walls of glass or plastic up, and, and germs don't just, you know, hit the wall and fall straight down. I mean, germs float around and move in the air, and so it's, it's all so fucking stupid. Really. I mean, seriously. It's, it's fucking stupid. But that's where we are. And, and I do lose a lot of faith. And there's clearly intelligent people out there. I, I speak to them, and, and I know them, and they're out there. But I think... Collectively, it just feels like we're not really thinking. We're not, we're not really, as a whole, using our noggin. So Joey, I thought this was interesting. He posts this. He says, stop calling it quarantine. 
quarantine for quarantine is for the sick. This is house arrest. And I think that's there's some validity to that. A quarantine is when somebody is sick. But we're all told to stay home and none of us are a lot of us aren't sick. And still the numbers in California are so low. We've got about 3,000 deaths in the entire state of California in a state of 40 million. Stop calling it social distancing. There is nothing social about forced isolation. Again, you know, I talk about this all the time. I, I think depression, anxiety is going to go way up. I think I'm, I'm more concerned about how this country is going to look in about two to three months because we're forcing everybody to stay home and not actually be around one another. Stop saying safer at home because for millions of Americans in abusive situations and mental health struggles, their home is anything but safe. Stop saying this is for the greater good. No good can come from the government picking and choosing who is essential and who isn't. Think Nazi Germany. And most of all, stop saying new normal because there is nothing normal about any of this. I mean, I think those are all very reasonable, objective posts, ideas that I think we should all be thinking about, and I certainly think about. And then what's nuts, though, is that you then go look at the comments on his post, and then one woman is basically saying, my mother lived during Nazi Germany um, when Hitler invaded. They lived under Nazi regime. This is nothing like Nazi Germany, and and your post is unconscionable. And so then there's these, these dialogues going back and forth, how Joey's being disrespectful to the Jews that lived during Nazi Germany's regime. And, and so then I really think that about this kind of stuff is going on all the time. You know, you, you post something on a social media platform, and then people just go down little rabbit holes, and they start thinking about it and talk about it. And, and it's not even talking. It's just like quick comments. And and that's the world we live in now. And it kind of makes me sick to my stomach. There's a really interesting article that came out in The Intercept. It's very long. I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. But the title of the article is, by the way, it's by Naomi Klein. And it's called, what the hell is it called? Screen New Deal. Under cover of mass death, Andrew Cuomo calls in the billionaires to build a high-tech dystopia. The inspiration for these uncharacteristically good vibes from Andrew Cuomo was a video visit from former Google CEO Eric Schmidt, who joined the governor's briefing to announce that he will be heading up a Blue Ribbon Commission to reimagine New York State's post-COVID reality, with an emphasis on permanently integrating technology into every aspect of civic life. Just one day earlier, Cuomo had announced a similar partnership with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to to develop a smarter education system. Calling Gates a visionary, Cuomo said the pandemic has created a moment in history when we can actually incorporate and advance Gates' ideas. 
It has taken some time to gel, but something resembling a coherent pandemic shock doctrine is beginning to emerge. Call it the Screen New Deal. Far more high-tech than anything we have seen during previous disasters, the future that is being rushed into being as the bodies still pile up treats our past weeks of physical isolation not as a painful necessity to save lives, but as a living laboratory for a permanent and highly profitable no-touch future. There's been a distinct warming up to humanless, contactless technology. Humans are biohazards, machines are not. I mean, the way this is all being written, this article, and, and the story that's being construed by the media is that we are hazardous. If you have the coronavirus, stay out, stay away. You're not welcome. It's a future in which our homes are never again exclusively personal spaces, but are also via high-speed digital connectivity. Our schools, our doctor's offices, our gyms, and our jails. Of course, for many of us, those same homes were already turning into our never-off workplaces and our primary entertainment venues before the pandemic. This is a future in which, for the privileged, almost everything is home-delivered, either virtually via streaming and cloud technology or physically via driverless vehicles or drones. It's a future that employs far fewer teachers, doctors, and drivers. It accepts no cash or credit cards and has skeletal mass transit and far less live art. It's a future that claims to be run on artificial intelligence, but is actually held together by tens of millions of anonymous workers tucked away in warehouses. If all of this sounds familiar, it's because pre-COVID, this precise app-driven, gig-fueled future was being sold to us in the name of convenience and personalization. But many of us had concerns about the security, quality, inequity of telehealth and online uh, classrooms. We had concerns about unscrupulous social media platforms poisoning our information ecology and our kids' mental health. Today, a great many of those well-founded concerns are being swept away by a tidal wave of panic, and this warmed-over dystopia is going through a rush job rebranding. Thanks to Cuomo and his various billionaire partnerships, New York State is being positioned as the gleaming showroom for this grim future. But the ambitions reach far beyond the borders of any one state or country. There are some massive games being played. The media is taking part in it all. The healthcare system is playing part of it all. The politicians are playing a part of it all, and if anybody objects, if anybody calls them out, they are muted and turned off on Facebook or YouTube. There is something going on beyond this coronavirus. This coronavirus is real, but someone, more than one person, are using this to gain control. We're all now being forced to wear masks. If anybody questions what's going on, you're labeled insensitive, you're vilified. And again, my mom earlier today says, why isn't anybody protesting? I, I don't know. Are people scared? Are people addicted to Netflix and just want to sit on their couch all day? Is this sort of what they wanted all along? Is just to stay home and hang out? 
last piece today, and I'll let you go. It's kind of a funny story. It shows how insane human beings are. There's an article in the 10daily.com. Ikea asks customers not to masturbate in its stores. A video of a woman that went viral in China. Ikea has been forced to remind shoppers not to masturbate in its stores after a woman in China was allegedly caught in the act. A video of the woman that went viral after it was posted on social media forced the Swedish furniture company to weigh in on the issue. We resolutely oppose and condemn this kind of behavior and immediately reported it to the police in the city of the suspected store. The DIY Act has forced the flat pack experts to tighten up security at the store, which is one of 33 in China. IKEA also asked shoppers to go about their shopping in an orderly and civilized way. Apparently, other shoppers walked past, past her as she continued touching herself. And at one point, she begins twerking for the camera. It's funny, I was in line at Trader Joe's a few weeks ago, and it must have been in line for an hour and 15 minutes before I realized I was going to the wrong store. And the whole time, a woman is dancing in line. And I, and I asked her eventually, because she was two people away from me, I go, well, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just working on my dancing for TikTok. Instead of giving a fuck about anything that's going on right now, people are spending their time worrying about their dancing on TikTok. I woke up this morning and there was a convertible Mustang on the street and four guys were posing and standing in front of the Mustang for about 15 minutes taking selfies, none of them wearing masks, all of them within six feet, taking selfies of this cool new Mustang that one of them has. People don't fucking care. People get to stay home, watch Netflix all day, you know, have a good time on TikTok. And people were already used to having conversations on social media platforms, so this is like no big deal. It's just more technology, more DMs, more selfies, more Facebook, more Instagram, more TikTok. I have more time to watch Netflix shows. Does anybody see this? Does anybody see this as a concern? Am I just over-worrying here? And then Joe Biden is going to save the day? You know, just just for the hell of it, because I I love playing the clip last week. I'm going to play it again today, and then I'll let you go. Here's here's a clip of Joe Biden talking about his hairy legs. How did we get to the point where we have one of the most tasteless human beings running our country, Donald Trump, and then we have a 77 maroon who is going to be running against him this coming election in November. So how, how did we get here? How did we get to this place? It's, it's amazing. So yeah, I'm going to end the, end the show. Got to listen to this amazing clip of Joe Biden talking about his hairy legs. And it get hot. I got a lot of, I got hairy legs that turn, that, 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 that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. And I tell you what. Okay. 
That's going to be the next president of the United States. We got Netflix, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, China taking over the the world, and we have this guy that's、uh, potentially going to beat out Donald Trump and be the next president. The guy who has who enjoys kids hanging out on his lap. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, write a review, give it a five star. Message me on Instagram or Twitter if you want to say hello. If you have any questions, as always, thank you so much for listening and supporting the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Thank you.